Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins... I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, my story is not one where I was the target of somebody else's stalking or harassment, but one where I was the guy who was just at the right place at the right time. And I'm fairly certain that my inadvertent intervention may have saved someone that I'd never met from, well, who knows what. So, this was back in 2015 or 2016. I'm a career tow truck driver, and at this point, I've been towing cars for almost most of my adult life, and will likely do so until I either retire or I pass away, whichever comes first. At the time, I was working for a, a pretty small towing company with only two employees, and we rotated who was on call each weekend. It was my weekend on call, and it was summer, so with people being out and about sort of late and whatnot... I was pretty busy that week, cleaning up accidents, towing broken cars down both in the city and off the highway. I was fine with it as I was paid commission at the time, so the more calls that I did, the more money I made. It was Saturday night, now Sunday morning, and it's around 2.30 or 3 in the morning, and like I said, I've been really busy. As such, I'm a bit tired, a little grumpy, and kind of want to just go home when my phone rings. It's uh, an insurance company calling, asking if we can do a tow for one of their customers who has broken down on the side of the highway. The breakdown location they gave me is about 15 miles out of town, which I normally wouldn't have done, but the tow destination happens to be a dealership that's just a couple of minutes from my apartment. I sort of contemplate rejecting the call, 
but because I'm paid commission, I figure screw it. I can run up and grab this car, drop it off around the corner from my place, then hopefully I can head home and get a couple of hours of shut-eye. So, in the end, I, I take the call and hop on the highway. The insurance company provided me with the customer's first name, Kara, and gave me a phone number for her. Usually I try to make contact with people who are on the side of the highway to let them know that I'm on my way and give them an ETA. I try calling her a couple of times, but she doesn't answer. Not completely unusual. After a short while though, I see hazard lights up the way on the shoulder, so I turn on my strobes and start slowing down. As I approach, I notice that not only is there the late model car that I'm looking for, but there's another car on the scene as well that doesn't have its hazards on, but is parked in front of the car that I'm meant to be towing. This is annoying, but not uncommon as I need to be able to get in front of the disabled car in order to load it up, and sometimes people just don't realize that. But because the other car is there, I instead pull up behind both cars. You do this so that as the tow driver, you're the one that has to make the weird maneuver of pulling off the shoulder and back onto the shoulder, and that the other car just has to drive straight forward on the shoulder. Otherwise, if I pulled up in front, then the other car would have to go around me, and it's just unprofessional and unsafe to make them do that. Standing at the trunk of the late model car, which is now directly in front of me, are a man and a woman. The woman is probably maybe in her early 20s and dressed to the nines for a night out. She's about 5'1 or 5'2. She's wearing tight leatherish or something pants, a halter top, long black hair, very pretty. The man is probably around 5'10 and skinny, maybe 150 to 160 pounds, wearing a dark hoodie and dirty jeans. They're standing very close to, facing each other. She has her arms crossed and he's leaning down talking to her. I step down out of my truck and approach them both and introduce myself. They separate a few feet and I look to the woman and say, Are you Kara? And she nods. I say that I'm here for her insurance company and ask what's going on with the car. Immediately, the man pipes up and says, uh, Yeah, it's just having some fuel issues. It's an easy fix. Can you just drop it off at this commuter parking lot? I'm going to fix it up there for her. I'm rather annoyed at this, to be honest, because the commuter lot in question is further up the highway and I'm already 15 miles out of town. Like I said before, I only took this call because it was supposed to be coming back toward my apartment and I just really wanted to get home at this point. Not only that, but in order to change the original tow destination, I would have to call the insurance company back, wait on hold for who knows how long for a representative, and then on top of that, let them know of the change and try to get them to pay me extra for the deadhead miles back home after unloading. I really, really didn't want to do any of this. And thirdly, this is a late model car. I'm no mechanic, but it's new enough for whatever is wrong with it that it's likely covered under warranty anyway so the dealership is really the best place for it to go anyways. I explain all of this to the guy, but he's just not really having it. He even gets stern with me, saying something like, look man, you just need to take the car where I tell you to take it. We go back and forth on this for maybe 60 seconds, and he's just getting madder. And well, you know what man, you're not the named insured, Kara is. The easy way to settle this is to just ask what she wants me to do with the car, and whatever she wants is what I'll do. 
Fingers crossed, she'll want to take it to the dealership so I can just get home sooner. I turned to look at Kara to ask her that question, and I don't see her right away. She's no longer standing where she was just a minute ago. She was slightly off to my right. I continued to not see her until I've turned almost all the way around because now she's standing directly behind me. And by directly, I mean within an inch of my back, arms still crossed. I look down at her and she locks eyes with me and her eyes are as wide as plates, almost owl-like and immediately it feels like she's just staring into my soul. She didn't say a word and to be honest, she didn't have to. I took a step back and did what felt like a, a double double take I guess. I looked at him, then at her, then at him again and then back at her and it slowly started to dawn on me that maybe something just wasn't right. I asked her, do you know this guy? And she ever so slightly shook her head no and the expression on her face when I asked her that will be forever burned in my skull. I turned to the guy and was like, oh, you gotta go, man. Now, I'm not a tough guy. I'm a total beta male, to be honest. If there's such a thing, I guess. And I don't care who knows it. I've got nothing to prove. I'm super averse to confrontation and will run at the first sign of trouble. And I'm not exactly the biggest of guys either. I am, however, what I like to call sturdy, I guess. I'm 5'8 and 240 pounds. I have a bit of a gut, but I also have big thighs and broad shoulders, and people are generally surprised to find out that I weigh as much as I do. And quite honestly, I think that might have been my saving grace for what happened next. Because without a word, the guy starts to move for Kara, and I move to stay in between them. He tries to push me out of the way by shoving me in my chest, but because I believe he underestimated my weight, only pushed me hard enough to make me take a single step back. Immediately, I took that step forward towards him and body checked him hard, as hard as I could really, hard enough to completely knock him over, basically onto his butt. Because we rotated during the back and forth push bit, Kara is now in front of me to my right, somewhat between me and the guy who's trying to scramble to his feet, I reached out and snatched the poor girl up by her wrist, spun her towards my truck and yelled for her to get into the driver's seat. And she does. I turn back to the guy who's standing up again at this point and he's breathing really hard. He gets right up in my face but doesn't do anything, just breathes at me. I stare him right in his face and mustering up the best dad voice I can muster just say, you need to go. Mind you, I'm shaking now and I'm absolutely terrified. I don't know if he has a weapon, I don't know if he's going to try to fight me, and I don't know what I would do if he did. Like I said, I'm not a tough guy, I really don't know how to fight, I've never been in a fight in my life. But what if I get badly hurt? What if I get stabbed? What do I even do now? I just want to go home, man. I wasn't even going to take this call. All this is running through my head at lightning speed, and after probably around 15 seconds or so, which felt like forever, he just kind of huffs a bit, smiles one of the creepiest smiles that I've ever seen, and starts to back off. He sort of sucks his teeth and rubs his hands together. He slowly walks backwards a few steps and then makes his way to the front of the car, gets in and just drives off. I just sort of stood there for a few seconds, motionless, watching him until I could no longer see his taillights. 
I got Kara's car loaded up on the tow truck and as we made our way to the dealership, she told me through tears that her car had shut off while she was driving and she pulled onto the shoulder and called her parents because she was on their insurance. Her parents made the call to the insurance company who eventually dispatched me to her location. While she was waiting, a bit after she made the call, the guy pulled up in front of her and walked up to her passenger side window to try to talk to her, asking if she needed help, etc. And she told him that she was fine, that a tow truck was coming and she didn't need any help. He apparently persisted and she tried to tell him off and eventually tried to roll up the window. But apparently, he stuck his arm in the window and got the door unlocked and opened the door. In fear, she jumped out of the car, leaving her phone inside, and ran to the back of her car and stayed put there because it was in line of sight of the traffic. Apparently, too, he was really lewd with her, and whenever she tried to go back to the car, he would prevent her from getting in. Several minutes later, I showed up. And honestly, who knows what would have happened had the timing been any different. Her parents were waiting at the dealership when we arrived, and she told them what had just happened. Her parents gave me a $20 tip, which was all the cash that they had on them at the time, and Kara gave me a very tight and clearly heartfelt hug before I left. And after that, I never saw her again. But I tell you what, every guy has daydreamed at some point of coming to the rescue of a pretty girl in trouble, right? Myself included. You think that you're going to be a hero. You're going to slay the dragon and get the girl and ride off into the sunset like the king you are, right? But for me, being in that situation, in that moment, was one of the most terrible feelings that I've ever had. Forced into a confrontation that I didn't even want, nor was prepared for, not knowing what to expect from a clearly not well-hinged individual, I really, really did not feel like a hero that night. I felt like a, a scared little kid encountering a bully on the playground for the first time. If I'm ever in a situation like that again, I, I don't think I'll ever not intervene if I'm being honest. But I just really hope that I never have to do that ever again. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So to preface this story, I was about 15 to 16 years old at that time. It was my best friend's birthday and she had invited about six of us over to play a few games, such as Mario Party, Mario Kart, Guitar Hero, etc. and stay the night in celebration of her big 16. 
At this get-together, there were five girls, including me and one boy. After a while, my best friend asked if we would like to go to the playground, which was about a ten-minute walk away from her house. And of course, being stupid teens, we agreed, not thinking about how it may be dangerous, since the majority of us were young girls and it was currently 10pm. Anyways, we walked down to this park and continued playing Grounders when we arrived, which if you don't know is a game commonly played in elementary schools. The rules are that one person is it, and the person who is it must close their eyes and try to seek the other players as they hide on the playground equipment in order to tag them. But there's a catch. If someone gets off the equipment and the person who's it calls grounders while they're on the ground, then they're tagged. Yeah, I know, it's a pretty childish game, but it was fun. After a few rounds, we got bored and decided to huddle around in a circle in the center of the playground equipment. We were just talking, joking around, when suddenly I heard what I thought to be something like rocks. It was hitting the chain link fence that resided on the back of the playground. I sort of hushed the group, I looked over at my best friend asking if she heard that too, and as everyone looked at me like I had ten heads, she asked what I meant and when I told her that it sounded like somebody was throwing rocks at the fence behind us, she responded with the classical, ooh, it's a murderer coming to get us. Naturally, I, I just glared at her, flipping her off. She knows I get paranoid sometimes, but I have a very good intuition and something just felt off. A few more minutes later, after some more rocks were thrown at the fence and I obsessively stared down the area behind the fence, which was all woods, beside the houses on the left and the right of the playground, in paranoia, I noticed a light weaving its way through the branches of the trees. At first I thought maybe it was just a, a headlight of a car that was coming down the street that connected to the street of the park since you can vaguely sort of see the headlights of oncoming traffic through them anyway. But I soon realized that there was only one light and it was bouncing up and down like it was being held by someone who was walking. I quickly pointed it out to the group around me as we all snapped our heads over in that direction. And coming up alongside of the nearby house on the left side of the park was a man who wore a hat, some white baggy and dirty sweatpants, and a black coat. He was holding a flashlight, not the one on your phone, but an actual flashlight. He was too far away to guess his age, even when he sat on the swings closer to the playground equipment that we were on. But we all collectively agreed that it was strange since he seemed, I guess from his clothes, to be at least mid-twenties and just sort of came out of the woods by himself to sit and stare at a load of kids. After a brief discussion, we agreed that maybe he was waiting for a ride or was just resting for a moment. And so we tried to brush off the fact that he was sitting and so intensely staring at us. However, we started to take note that after a few minutes of us resuming our very competitive game of grounders that this stranger was slowly inching his way closer to our group. He went from sitting on one of the swings furthest away to the next swing a bit closer to the equipment that we were on to the next until he was just about maybe 10 feet away from our game. Mind you, the whole time he just sat there watching us. At this point, all of us have noticed the strange man attempting to get closer to us and in an attempt to remove ourselves from a potentially dangerous situation, we made a group decision to just leave. Getting up, 
We all piled off the playground equipment, and in pairs of two, we walked down the stairs on the side furthest away from the creepy man. As we attempted to casually walk away, I kept my eyes glued on this figure though, and as we neared the end of the street, he got up. Slowly at first, the man started to trail behind us, keeping his distance. I decided to keep my mouth shut at the time because we were about to make a turn anyway. I thought that if he continues to follow us instead of going the other way, that I'd bring it up to the others. And wouldn't you know it, the creep stays hot on our heels, not only following which turn we took, but he also started sprinting towards us, screaming at us all amounts of expletives. At this point, the whole group bursts out into a sprint. The adrenaline that I felt made me run so fast that I was ahead of everyone else. Everyone was ushering each other to run. I didn't even take a second to see if the others were behind me. That was until I heard my best friend struggling to run. She has pretty bad asthma. I instantly felt horrible for running off on her, so I ran back by her side, grabbing her hand and quite literally dragging her along, repeating things like, deep breaths, you've got this, come on, we have to go now. This whole time, the man was still running and screaming behind us and was catching up quickly. At this point, both me and another girl in the group took it upon ourselves to get my best friend moving as fast as possible, both taking a hand and running at a pace that she could keep. Luckily, this park was only about a 10 minute walk away from my friend's house, even if that much. And as we all piled in through her garage door, I turned to see this delusional man start running up her driveway. He must have got about halfway up until our big fluffy savior ran to open the door. My friend's 100 pound fully grown German shepherd just lurched at the man barking as we gripped her collar in an attempt to keep her from running completely after this guy. Luckily, her sudden and loud appearance caused the man to freeze in fear before he just ran away down the dark lamp-lit street. We were obviously terrified for the rest of the night and only managed to sleep after putting random items next to us. We even had a rake, I think. But most comforting was our big fluffy hero, just in case the creep decided to come back that was. In the end, I really think we got lucky that night. Lucky that I saw the guy. Lucky that we didn't stick around in the park longer. Lucky that we were all able to run as quickly as we did, even my friend with asthma. Lucky that the dog came out when it did. And also lucky that the guy never came back. When I was about 11 to 14 years old, I had a best friend named Spencer. Spencer had a decent sized family and he also had a big house. We hung out practically non-stop outside of school. He was homeschooled and I was in public school. And during the summer, I practically lived at their house. Spencer had an older brother named Keenan. Keenan was about five years older than him and I and I thought that he hung the moon pretty much. He was really cool and he listened to great music, played guitar, and I always wanted to be around him. One summer though, when I was 13, Keenan went to summer camp. He was supposed to visit the Grand Canyon and go kayaking and do a ton of fun stuff and we were really jealous. It was weird too not having him around all the time, since I basically stayed at the house the entire time and finally the day came when Spencer's dad was supposed to go to the airport to pick up Keenan and... We were super stoked to hear about all the camp and stuff. 
his dad drove up and we ran downstairs to greet them. And yet, we didn't see Keenan. His dad had tears running down his face and he exclaimed that he didn't make it. He didn't make it, you guys. But my heart dropped to my stomach and I started to panic. Keenan walked right up behind him and they both started laughing at this. Man, that was a terrible move on their behalf, but... Anyways, we helped him unload his luggage and stayed up until midnight talking about his summer. He said that he had the time of his life and told us all about how he had almost went overboard whitewater rafting and how he surely would have drowned if he did. As two 13-year-old boys, we were enamored by Keenan and everything that he did. We talked about how Spencer and I were going to go to the same camp once we turned 18 and it had been a long day and it was time for all of us to go to bed. Keenan told us that he would tell us more in the morning when he woke up. Now, I had fallen asleep and awoken in a cold sweat because of a nightmare that I had that night. And in my dream, Spencer and I had went out our entire day that day just as we had before. Except when their dad showed up and joked about Keenan dying on his trip, he actually did die. Remember, this was practically my idol at the time and the dream was so vivid... I needed to go down and get some water just to calm myself down afterwards and I checked my phone before I headed to the kitchen. It was 3.30am. The house was really dark and I had to tiptoe to be quiet and make sure not to wake anyone up. As I walked through the den on my way to the kitchen, I see the moonlight spilling into the living room, the only light in the house. And that's when I see what I think is a, a large silhouette and as I get closer and my eyes adjust... I see Keenan hanging from the ceiling fan. I freak out and run across the room in a dead sprint and turn the light on to see if my eyes are deceiving me, but when I did, it was him. Except he was asleep and standing in the middle of the room underneath the fan now with one of his arms raised straight up over his head. I never knew Keenan to sleepwalk before and luckily he snapped out of it before I tried to wake him up. He looked at me super confused. He looked around and noticed where he was and said, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you guys. I guess I developed a bit of a sleepwalking habit at camp. He went back to bed at that point, but I'll never forget that night. I mean, how the heck was he hanging on that thing without it breaking down from the roof? And more importantly, how did he get up there in the first place? So, I've spent a lot of my life in Georgia and love hiking all over, but I must admit that North Carolina has the best mountains. For this reason, I frequently drive up there and hike and camp. This time, I went up with my family in an RV and stayed with them in the Maggie Valley. The next day, however, I had them drop me off about 10 miles away at the Cold Mountain Trailhead, and I'd planned to hike up, spend the night, and be back down in the morning. I was by no means inexperienced in hiking or camping, but I had never camped alone at this point. On top of that, I didn't bring a pistol, something I won't go without now, but... Anyway, on the way up, the trail was surprisingly strenuous. Not necessarily steep, I've hiked some steep stuff out west, but more like a ton of ups and downs and feeling like it just would never end. 
Eventually, it began to get darker and I realized that I needed to stop and set up while I still had light. So I stopped about a half a mile short of the summit and figured that I would continue in the morning. Nothing eventful happened. I set up camp in a really good spot, made my food and went into the tent. At this point, I realized that I hadn't run into a single other person my entire way up. This wasn't eerie at the time, but soon would be. I have trouble sleeping at the best of times, and usually lay awake for up to an hour trying to sleep. And during this time, I could have sworn that I heard someone lightly walking around the general area because of the rhythm of the steps. In the end, I just sort of brushed it off as my mind running wild, but I did pull out my big old knife out of my bag and put it next to me in the sleeping bag, just in case. That morning, I woke up and I ate some oatmeal, and as I ate, I looked over at my tent at some point, and I noticed that there was a strange bundle of like dried twigs and berries tied with green cord now propped up against my tent. Internally, I was half scared to death, but I quickly packed up my stuff and took off within five minutes. And no way was I bothering to go to the summit that day. I headed straight down, and on the way down, I realized that there was a pretty heavy fog, and I ended up on a, a side trail that eventually ended, and I got lost. I used a compass to eventually reorientate myself and found the trail again one of the biggest reliefs let me tell you and I made my way out there with no other incident. However I came to find out the same morning that apparently a 27 year old person died on the same section of trail as me and it's possible that I would have run into him had I not gotten lost and rejoined the trail later and I guess that that's the scariest part knowing that someone knew where I was and watched me, and I had no idea that they were even there. So for context, I'm a 22-year-old male, and I live in a large city in the Midwest. Now, I drive for Lyft while putting myself through trade school. I drive for other similar companies, but that's beside the point. I have many other stories from them as well, but... This is the one that I would like to share. So, it was Christmas Eve 2020. I was out running Lyft for a few hours before heading to my mum's with my new baby and wife. Nothing special going on for the night really, just the usual pretty much. I get a ride request. It was a pickup from this kind of lower income apartment complex. No big deal. I arrive and I find my passenger. He has all of his belongings. Several boxes of stuff in fact. My car is a 2006 Chevy Impala, so it's not too big, but we managed to get all of his stuff loaded up, just barely, and we're on our way. During the ride, he's crying, saying that his girlfriend was cheating on him and had walked in on them earlier that night. He couldn't stay there because it was her name on the lease, so I was taking him to a hotel, apparently. Now, in my city, we have a street that is well known for having vices, hookers, drugs, gangs, weapons, and just shady motels. The works. We get to the motel, and he asks me to wait for him to check in and get his key. No problem, man, I say. I'll confess, though, that I break the rules a little when it comes to Lyft. 
but I do have a gun hidden in a concealed holster secured to the underside of my driver's seat for protection. Reason being, driving Lyft and other contract apps, I've had knives and guns pulled on me as well as people have tried to fight me, rob me and all kinds of other things, but like I said, another time. This motel was on that street that I mentioned before though. Homeless people were everywhere. There was a dude on the far corner of the complex that still had a needle in his arm, passed out against the building, and I'm a big fan of true crime and all and horror narration, so I'm definitely on edge. He gets his key though, and the whole motel is ground level, so to help this guy out, I drive to his door. As I mentioned before, he had a lot of stuff too, so I started to help him unload his stuff. But while on my second trip getting all that, I saw a guy come out of the room just to the south of my car, followed by two ladies. They came up to the room that I was next to, not my passenger, but one of the ladies pounded on the door and then opened it. That's when I saw this guy raise a shotgun up out of his long coat and storm into the room. The two ladies followed him, slamming the door behind them, and in the following I heard a lot of yelling and shouting. I was just waiting for shots to ring out. When out of nowhere, my passenger came up behind me. I can take this, man. Go ahead and take off. Have a Merry Christmas. And he gave me a cash tip. I didn't even notice that he took the boxes out of my hands or slid a $5 bill in my pocket because I was just completely frozen, to be honest. I knew that they may have been going down into that room, but I had to leave or at least get to where I could get my gun. I know the guy and both the ladies saw me and I know that they knew that I saw the gun. I had to get out of there though. You know, no witnesses and all that. So I got in my car and I just sped away quickly. I got a block or so away I think and then I sat down for a second and just called the cops. I gave them every detail that I could and after I got off the phone with the police I signed out of Lyft. I didn't have much money, but I was done. I got a call later that night. The cops apparently investigated. They never found the gunman or the women, and they never answered the door that I saw them come out of. And the occupants of the room they went into said that nothing had happened and that I was just making everything up. Well, I know what I saw. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family, and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. 
Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.